Greetings ladies and gents, and welcome to this latest video. There is no epic loot here, only puns taken from the website Royal Road. The link to the story will be down below. If you wish to support the author, please head over there and give them support. If you wish to support the channel, there are numerous ways to do so down below. There is Discord, Merch, Patreon, bunch of other stuff too. So have a look in the description, you might be surprised. Anyways, now on to the fiction. As always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 134 The Other Side That was unneeded, Maharia said quietly, as the destroyed arm slowly repaired itself out of the manor in the room. Shoulder first, then Alba. Her voice bounced amongst the throne room. The dark red banners with the family's crests stamped upon them were spaced evenly across the room. The subtle enchantments made the image turn to a symbol of the fiery rose to a rotted one. They fluttered at the sound of a voice like a foul wind had moved through them. The white marble floor had cracks through which Maharia's manner flowed like veins. They pulsed in time with her voice. The solid-looking marble pillars holding the room apart from its top and bottom seemed to shift, moving to an odd and even numbers between glances. They shifted at her voice. This all led to the throne itself, a once regal set of chairs that had been crudely blurred together into a wicked chair with flowing black tubes and pipes leading out the back, the thing thrumming like a giant beast's heart. Maharia gave the room a sour look. She had thought she had been so smart when she first arrived. The idea to remodel her corridor main into her parents' throne room as some sort of insult and silent attempt to cling to any shred of her family seemed both childish and sad years later. Now, after all her efforts of building it, she could hardly destroy it and start over. It simply was not possible. Well, it had not been possible since those adventurers had collapsed them all in. Maharia had been angry at that. Then after time, refused to start marching on, she had been bored. Especially since she didn't get to play with the one left behind. Well, there were a few left behind, but Maharia didn't want to play with the ugly clowns or the kobolds. No, she wanted the hero. She sighed as she sat on her throne, her thing pulsing once in a deep thrum. You were getting hasty in your eagerness came a slightly chiding voice from the shadows. All shadows. Or was it something under the darkness? Maharia had given the ability a decent examination, but all she could ever figure out was that the voice didn't travel through the air. It was more direct than that. Perhaps, but choking a princess, do you have no manners anymore? When we first met, you were the picture of chivalry. She replied, an expression of agitation on the side of her face. He appeared, casually coming towards her, as if a guest in her kingdom. When he moved, it wasn't like an ordinary people, but was almost as if the air, physical matter, light and sound were all moved out of his way. Maharia supposed it was as if he simply chose to be the more potent force. Or was it because nephew was an existence that defied anything made by the two? I do apologize, Princess Maharia. My strength has been harder to measure without acceptable targets. I was aiming for a gentle press of the hand and, uh, he trailed off, flexing his fingers. Gentle, Maharia was careful to not drop her jaw. 
They nearly crushed her throat. Her bones alone had laced with several rare and resilient flakes of metal from the demon smith that was not even speaking of the magic spell she had. You said this would happen, but I didn't think it would happen this fast or to this degree, Maharia finally said, neutrally. Nephew shrugged one shoulder, and Maharia could even begin to see the shape of the definition of his body. To think, so long ago, when they first met, he had been a simple voice in the darkness of places of a castle. Delta has, um, changed the schedule. Certain things are up in the air now, just like I can sense it coming for you. Nephew said suddenly, taking in her entire domain or what was left of it. Delta had been making good progress on it since she broke into a fortress. I have our allies, Maharia said as she casually tapped on the orb on the arm of her throne, containing the soul of the hero and the amazingly altered human infused with a mushroom and Delta. They will not be harmed, I hope, Nephew said as he peered at the orb, moving across the room in the blink of an eye looming over Maharia. It wasn't hard to loom over her, to be fair. She was barely pushing the upper half of four foot. Nephew was pushing the upper limit of seven. Delta's creation I see the wisdom of keeping, but the hero, Maharia, made a face which made Nephew chuckle with affection. Such wisdom you've gained, and yet, still, the same tone when talking about vegetables and things that you don't care for. Nephew gently patted her head, and Maharia braced herself, only getting slightly pressed down by his gentle touch. Still needs practice, Nephew admitted as he pulled his hand back before he hurt her. I am the dark vessel of silence and death. I need no vegetables, Maharia said haughtily. Nephew tilted his head. Are you sure you're over a hundred years old? he asked, amused at her words. Maharia glared at him, which made him sigh. Yes, yes, the age subject is off topic. I don't see the shame since I'm older than you by quite a few hundred years, but I shall keep uh, silent about the number, nephew said, tapping his chin. Maharia visibly grimaced at his poor joke. Nephew picked up the oar, well, able to crush those inside the sphere, the boy we shan't harm, there's an excellent chance that he shares the same curse as my father, to be plucked out of the ether at their whims and expected to entertain, then before long, cast off when things became too hard to manage, he said. All amusement was gone from his tone. He is their hero, he won't be cast off before he's done his job, Maharia said. Their likely actions won't sway my current choice. I don't want to have to repeat the discussion I had with Blolkor, nephew said in such a calm tone that Maharia felt her spine stiffen. The idiot of ending light. Maharia wasn't exactly proud of being the silence's weakest member, but what she lacked in power, she had in bond with nephew, Blolkor. He had suffered quite a few years for his antics in the circus. Nephew had been uh, displeased, annoyed. What she dare say, angry. To be fair, Maharia loved commenting on his lovely next car, supposedly from some angry circus act that cut through the supreme defense like a hot knife through butter in the occasional meeting nephew held to check on everyone and promote unity.
I would never do something as pitiful as kidnapping strangers off the road and igniting a big smoke signal for all adventurers saying, Come and find us where all the mysterious vanishings are happening. Falcor is an idiot. Why did he even catch your eye? Maharia asked, not for the first time. To her surprise, Nephew actually answered her question. He is aligned to that which is lost. Humans are all father's children, but since sister unleashed the stars and the brothers tempted the abyss, their seeds have been lost to the heavens and hells. We cannot afford to simply give up on those lost souls because sister unleashed malevolence and manipulative gods on the people, as the brother gleefully set loose those demons and monsters. The people deserve more. Nephew spun, eyes stretched to the widest. Nephew has always been painfully forward and honest. It's why Maharia had been his friend when she had no one else. In essence, they went from two enemies to countless threats we have to contend with, Maharia said before her voice soured. And Falcor is your key to the demon world and the souls taken there, she sighed, seeing Falcor's use rise by the second against her own wishes. With things in motion, it is better you know now before the end of Falkor, or such an annoyance. I was hoping you two would make it up in your own time and discuss, but, alas, Delta. Nephew hummed as the floor shook. Delta, Maharia could only agree. Do you want me to destroy her creation? It won't waste too much of my energy, Nephew said. Suddenly, quiet. Maharia hesitated, then shook her head. We can't start using the seed for everything. You told me you needed lots, and why? So, no. I don't want you wasting them on me. She decided briskly, hiding her smile that she wanted to show off. She would never be so base as to smile at nephew. She was no peasant. But she tried really hard to send him the feeling of a smile that made all the banners on the floor glow pink and the roses to bloom in life. I, um... I don't want you to die, Maharia, Nephew said abruptly, almost as if he wasn't sure what to do with his concern. I don't intend to just lay down and let Bixus step on me, Maharia said dryly, standing up and taking the soul-trapping orb out of his hands. She slowly put the gloved hand into his own. It had seven fingers, so she suspected that he was still figuring out his proper form. He would get it soon. He was getting stronger by the minute. If I perish, then my own siblings will be free. I might be a relief for some peace of mind. She reminded. Her mind was quiet, but in a way of feeling directly ignored. Her siblings had long learned the best method of driving her mad. And if I fall, if Delta takes my soul, I'll find a way back. If I don't, remember me. Remember that girl who found you crying in that empty tower one day? It was so loud, she prompted, making nephew grip her hand softly, that she woke me up from the silence itself, the girl who brought me out of the burning light into the gentle darkness. Settled darkness. I will never forget. He promised, and he began to lose physicality. In the end, stars burned out. Land crumbles, life and death became unchained state, and all becomes silent. Princess Maharia swore as her throne began to beat like a malefic heart. And silence becomes you, 
Nephew finished, fading away, his fingers the last to go entwined with hers. She inhaled once, allowing the air to fill her lungs uselessly. She cast her sense forward at the awe-inspiring nightmare the Delta had created. The thing brushed at the ceilings and the corridors and the rooms, able to condense itself like a mass of flesh with no bones. Her undead that got closer were either smashed, crushed, or devoured in a way that would even cost Maharia some more energy than her usual to repair. She waved a hand and the heart throne beat louder and louder, reduction of her army becoming the most potent it had been since the embodiment of the cult. Around her, the skeleton dragon began to shape itself from the sound and manner. Maharia wouldn't want to let down Delta. She would match her monstrosity with one of her own. It was weirdly the most alive Maharia had felt since the fall of her home. The idea she might actually die invoking something in her. You're so weird. I hope you fall down the stairs. Her brother and sister spoke up, clearly sensing the change. Don't worry, one way or another, today we are free. Today, the rose of our family will bloom one last time, she promised, getting a sense that she was scaring her siblings with her words. It was more of a reaction from them than she had in a long time. Maharia watched through her creations, examining the mound of flesh that Delta had spewed out at her in rage. It was inelegant, cobbled together more with sheer power than skill, but it lacked in finesse, it made up for in purpose. It was a kidding machine, pure and simple. It would come here, battle with Maharia, and only one of them would walk out if neither of them backed down. Maharia inhaled again, her throne now reaching a rhythmic pulse that was causing everything in her remaining castle to vibrate. The skeleton warriors that were getting smashed to pieces by the flesh beast were now being merely flung aside to rise and charge again. Her own zombies were repairing themselves at a truly amazing speeds, and the various other toys that she had gathered over the years had similar improvements. Delta would still reach the throne room, but it was more likely to be in measured pace than in seconds as before. That was fine. Maharia knew that she'd only be buying time for herself to flex her talents. It was a bit of an issue that she couldn't kill the warrior's soul on her throne. That stopped Maharia from doing some of the real nasty and indiscriminate. But that was also fine. Simply leveling the battlefield with death spells was a bit uncreative for someone that had been in the game for as long as Maharia. She raised a glove hand and asserted her will, decided that she was stuck and what didn't. Much like Delta, Maharia didn't consider the concept of a distance to be a limiting factor in any space within her own domain. Dark energy flowed up her arm and the massive heart beat behind her. Each sullen beat empowered Maharia's magic. The hulking beast was moving through the long hallway that led to a grand entrance to her home. Perhaps it was strange to have the mansion within a fortress, as if one were looping through different themes in madness. But what was a fortress and what was Maharia's private sanctum were entirely different things. She struck out, parts of the beast turning black and falling away with pure death energy scouring its surface. But it was akin to ripping a hair out of another girl in anger, tiny strands that did little other than to annoy their foe. 
The damage she did made the pointless as a dozen of tiny little pig creatures merely shook their mushroom tops, spreading spores that caused replacement flesh to grow back in pure numbers. Those spider-leg limbs began to spear her warriors, aiming for spines and skulls rather than outright damage. Maharia curled her fingers and from three of her skeleton warriors, black fire bleached out from the clattering jaws, dancing across the beast's lower layers. The thing reared back, flesh blackened, and Maharia almost felt let down if this attack would end it so soon. But to her delight, the flesh began to shift, the squishy flesh turning shiny and hard. The spider legs moved to the bottom of the creature, giving it more mobility. A second later, the creature began to make it, uh, snow? No, it was raining down web balls covered in fluffy spores. This would normally mean nothing to her magic of a soul burn, but this was dungeon made. The manner inside the material began to conflict with the necromantic energies. If Maharia was there in person, casting, it would be a lot harder to simply snuff out the fire. But as it was, the beast had not only turned its soft, burnable flesh into harder spider carapace, but also devised an anti-fire measure on the fly. Maharia couldn't help but respect that she felt surged through her. So, when she cast her next spell, she hoped Delta would appreciate the masterwork of Maharia was about to do. Her heart throne was now beating so hard that it was in a constant thrum. It would be just like Maharia's heart would feel like if she still had it. Delta saw her hands flickering. Her fingers were more distorted blur than a detailed shape from before. Despite her claims, the critical losses she had made was not without a cost. She stood with a wobble as notifications fired off around her in a chaotic manner. Critter limit reached, doubling production from first and second floor. Critter limit reached, doubling production from secret garden. Critter limit reached. Critter and boss monster fusion requires upkeep of error. Incompatible. Creature under current rules cannot does exist. Scanning. Mana income, minus 20 an hour, minus 21 an hour. Continuous mana sent to Symphony of Nightmares for supply. Delta wiped her mouth where she imagined she had been drooling. She felt numb, as if her mind had turned to cotton. She had never expanded this much of her mana sink before, other than in creating new flaws. Her creature not only needed mana to keep using its abilities and remain in her control, it also needed pure mana to remain stable. Even in the dungeon space, there were some things that just didn't work without some of her reality-blurring mana and DP. This was made even worse since she was making it work outside of her dungeon to wage war. Hero was easier cause the system had a nice little space for his type of function, long recharge, big payoff. We did have 24 hours, we could have planned more strategically to prevent you literally bleeding yourself dry. You said his boyish form back in his screen form, but he had learned to project his voice now. That sounds sane and reasonable, Nu, she pointed out, managing to stand to a full height without wobbling. Of course, not your style, Nu replied dryly. A moment later, Jack returned, throwing what stuff he could loot from behind Symphony's trail of destruction into a dungeon. Every little piece helped her get some mana back. Or, if not most, with things she already had, material-wise. 
No, what was interesting was the contents of said items. Some paintings, some banners, and then Jack started bringing her other things. A semi-large picture of a regal man with tamed grey beard. A woman with a poised and elegant face. Demure, but with eyes of steel. Below them, lined in order of royal ducklings, were three children. A boy with his father's nose, a girl with a bored expression, and the youngest of them all, Marrow. Marrow's face was pale, whole, and slightly younger than the ones Delta had met. In Marrow's eyes, the painter had captured a palpable sadness. The painting had a simple block. The royal family of Tortug. Got more where that's concerned, Jack announced, holding up books and paintings he held in his clawed hands. Your big beastie knocked down the sealed war and this was all inside, he explained, throwing more down. Thanks, Jack. Um, how are you doing? Delta asked, hiding the fact that one of her hands now had its fingers on backwards as the call struggled to keep the whole operation going. Jack thought about it, his bottles clinking as he crossed his arm. I feel good. Revenge and all of that. I, I think afterwards I'll have a crisis of purpose and identity. But uh, until then, I'm going to have a jolly good time with some arson. He declared firmly. Dalton could understand that somewhat. Jack had been down here for years trying to do what Dalton was finally getting done. Dalton just hoped that he didn't throw himself into any more cauldrons in the meantime. She paused as the items began to become absorbed. Mostly old trinkets and dresses long turned to aged tatters. But among them were things Delta didn't know what to make of. She focused on something she absorbed, and it came up. The history of Tortug, the kingdom that was invaded by death. New murmured as he read over her shoulder. All, if not most pages, had been scrawled furiously in red ink by a trembling hand, repeating the words lies over and over. Delta grimaced as she looked up at the book and she sensed Maharia do something. It was more death. Delta could just repair the damage or if it was a big enemy, she trusted Maestro to do his various abilities to win. A white light screamed down from the hallway, impacting her symphony hard in the chest. Delta stared in confusion as nothing happened at first. In fact, Delta even thought that she got a nice little influx of mana from the attack. Then the creature began to bubble as the piggles in the pile began to grow in panic. The spider legs crunched as they bent and make room for more joints. Maestro's left arm grew large, causing him to become lopsided as his neck and head followed suit. Maharia had just caused some sort of life spell. How could she do that? Her creatures started to bloat as the spell encouraged rapid and almost uncontrollable beneficial mana growths. Delta clenched her hands and focused. She was already bleeding mana, but she had no choice but to spend precious TP on turning the spell into something she could manipulate. The growths turned back into acid spitter bulges, brimming with acid as the growth turned into lively acid. Delta just managed that when Maharia began to weave complex life spells again, causing the spider legs to spasm, their armored limbs exploding in green, lush vegetation, their vines into the walls, bending her beast for a moment. Right, if Maharia was so good at death, no reason she wouldn't be a hand at its partner, life. I'm usually for all fans, but being clingy isn't attractive, 
She felt Maestro declare before mushrooms formed at the base of the vines, sucking moisture from them, decaying them as fast as they grew into brittle yellow things that snapped when her symphony moved on. Delta grinned, knowing her monsters were capable of beating Marrow into next Tuesday. She inhaled, trying to make sure she kept everything stable until they could rescue Alpha and Hero. To distract us all, she looked at the books as Maharia seemed to go quiet for a moment as well, letting her monsters do the fighting for now. Tortug, Kingdom of Death by J. Japes, she read, trying to use the words as a means to center herself. Introduction I write this book in dedication to the simple art of knowledge and wisdom. This book will show why, if not outright demand that, we cannot simply have faith and tradition. Death by inaction or destruction by stagnation is a sad way to go, and none show this more than the kingdom of Tortug, a kingdom who prayed for the bright future but was delivered ruin. Only by the action of the last royal family was the end of the world contained. I will explore the ruins of this doomed kingdom and see if I can piece together what happened. Why did this kingdom fall? How did Princess Maharia escape the fate of the kingdom and purge it? The questions are many and the answers are few. Let us begin. End of chapter and that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.